podcast was made possible by Thrive AP, a transition to practice solution for PAs, NPs, and the facilities that employ them. Thrive AP's educational curriculums accelerate skill application of advanced practice providers, improving outcomes, retention, and career satisfaction. Thank you to Thrive AP for partnering with our show. Welcome to another episode of White Coats of the Round Table. I'm here today uh, just solo hosting without Mike. So we got John McDonald. Mike Asbeck is uh, AWOL at the moment. And this is my time to be all gas, no brakes. So I don't have the old uh, ball and chain telling me to slow down or to cut it short. So we're going to go three hours today, I think. So buckle up, everybody. I hope you have a long ride into work today. But today we actually have a a pharmacist with us, and which I'm, of course, really excited about being a pharmacist myself. We have Jamie Wilkie, and I'll let her fill in the gaps as we uh, have this conversation. Originating from a small Wyoming town, Jamie's pharmacy journey began at City Drug, local pharmacy. Her drive led her to the University of Wyoming School of Pharmacy, where she took leadership roles and earned her doctor of pharmacy. Following a decade in community pharmacy while raising four boys, sounds very familiar to everybody, right? Jamie pivoted to entrepreneurship from retail. She founded the Precision Medicine Hero Program, mentoring over 350 pharmacists nationwide, champion PGX, and established thriving consulting practices. Notably, Jamie is an adjunct faculty member at the University of Florida School of Pharmacy, and a Pharmacy Times Editorial Advisory Board member. Voted among the top 12 most influential leaders in pharmacy, her LinkedIn presence garners millions of views yearly, which I'm breaking from our introduction for a second here. And if I'm ever atop anything, I just hope it's nothing negative. That's all. This is, this is beautiful. So join us as we delve into Jamie's remarkable journey and learn from her wisdom in pushing the boundaries of pharmacy. Jamie, it's really a pleasure to have you join us at the table. Please tell me what I might have missed. Any gaps you want to fill? No, it's just been really fun the past few years discovering what I can do and being an influence in the world and earning money along the way. um, It's just been really cool. I felt so stuck in a role and in a job for so long that it just feels so free to have that flexibility and freedom to work and create while still being a little tied to my white coat roots. You're what yeah, tied to the white coat roots. It's it's tough because pharmacists, I think, more than anybody, especially anybody I've talked to as students or new grads, uh, not many people see anything past pharmacy. It's a very uh, blinded vision as to what you can do, which is why we have you on today. Uh, so Again, excited to have another pharmacist on today. So before I dive into some of your past and how we got to where we are, can you tell our listeners what you've got going on now? What are you doing for work and what pasture projects are you working on? Oh, my favorite question, because I just do whatever I want. And I always thought that was like a hippie, like artistic thing that only like people got to do outside of healthcare. 
But now I've actually created that for myself where I've started and I run a few different companies. Um, one, we just scaled to seven figures this year and I sold part ownership of last year. So now I have a couple of business partners with me and we're just having so much fun together building a big company from an idea that started really small. And I work for myself completely. I quit Walgreens a few years ago. And so I work when I want, where I want, how I want. And especially as it's summer is wrapping up, I have spent a lot of time with my kids doing all the fun things and like really having that work-life balance that for so many years when I was working 12-hour shifts, I could never have. So how long ago was that that you moved out of Walgreens? Mm, when did I quit? I think two years ago I quit. Goodness. I was also at Walgreens at one point. Yeah, I would always tell people uh, that I I worked at the corner of Healthy and Happy, and some people would correctly say, was that Rite Aid? I go, no, it was Walgreens, but we were always on the same corner. So <laughs> we're both on the corner of Healthy and Happy. But yeah, I managed there too, so I, I can feel it. And I'm sure a lot of people listening here on the drive-in or wherever you are, if you're in the community retail uh, pharmacy business, you you sometimes know you know what the struggle can be sometimes. So, can you take us actually a little bit through that? I I want to talk about your pharmacy education and how we got to where we are today. So, why don't we talk about our early years a little bit, and maybe talk a little bit about what education you received for entrepreneurship when you're in school or business mindset. Yeah. So I graduated back in 2010. So it's been a while. I've been a pharmacist. And John, the only reason I went to pharmacy school is not because I love medicine or even like medicine or medication, but my dad was the, and still, actually he just retired, is the CFO at the local hospital. And so he signs all the pharmacist paychecks. He signs everyone's paycheck. And he came home from work one day when I was a teenager and he's like, Jamie, you should be a pharmacist. I send their paycheck every month and I really think you should be one. And I was like, okay, that checks all the boxes. I want a doctorate degree. I want to like, you know, do something and have that degree to get me a safe, comfortable job. I want to earn six figures right out of school as a 24 year old. And I don't really want to touch people. So it like checked all the boxes. I just always went on that path. So I went to University of Wyoming pharmacy school where I like loved all the leadership. I was involved in student government. I was in my pharmacy school, like class president. I was in the residence halls association. Like I love people. I was able to do the pharmacy work. I did not love it. I didn't like it, but I could, you know, pass the tests and get the grades to get in pharmacy school and to pass. And so another really big strength of pharmacy and I think healthcare in general is that it's a really safe, comfortable job. So right out of school, I was earning six figures and got to set my family up really well financially with a really stable cushion and there's not a career ladder john like you know this unless i wanted to go up into like walgreens management which sounds like a, a certain layer of hell you're only a pharmacist or a pharmacy manager and that is it and as a female and someone who knew i was going to have kids i didn't want to sacrifice my family life for this career ladder and like putting everything into a corporate job and so i was really happy just to clock in do my work, get paid way more than any of my friends and clock out. And that like served me really well for many years. I didn't love medicine, but I was okay at it. And I could like counsel patients. They they liked talking to me. And so it served me really well for 
a number of years to get financially stable, to just have a job while I'm also having kids and work part-time while I have these four crazy boys. Um, and it was really like a strong start. I'm glad I did pharmacy. But then after years of Groundhog Day and like doing the same thing over and over and handing over bags with like 20 prescriptions in it, knowing these patients aren't going to get better. They're just going to stay sick. They're still going to keep coming back for all the same medicines next month. Like it just started to kind of wear on my soul and made me feel like I'm not really helping people. I'm just medicating them. And with the advent of you know, the pandemic and people working from home and having this flexible life. I couldn't just bring my laptop home and start working from home. I had to be in that pharmacy. And if I wasn't in the pharmacy, it's illegal for it to be open. So it just felt very um, hard to be physically in a place anymore when I'm seeing like all my friends, my spouse, my neighborhoods, just being able to have these white collar jobs where they work from home and it's no big deal. And I always wanted that, but felt like it was unable to do it within pharmacy, especially since I'm just a retail pharmacist. I don't have a residency. I don't have any board certifications. Like I'm literally just the basic pharmacist. And so anyway, that was like my first 10 years. So like when I remember when I was in that position, I was thinking the same thing. How do I get out of this? I don't want it. This is not why I went into it. This is not what I want to do. Um, and so there were times when I applied to random things or had these conversations with friends. Can you tell me about any of those conversations or things that you looked at, maybe tried out and said, no, that's not for me, or I still maybe would like to do something like this? Yeah. So pharmacy school did not prepare me at all for anything in the world other than being an employee. And so even as I was looking for new jobs, I was just going on indeed.com and like filtering Utah and filtering pharmacist. And like all the positions were either the same thing I had just at a different company, which is a different version of the same thing, or jobs that I was not qualified for because you need a residency and blah, blah, blah. So I'd still apply for them anyway, just like you, but it was only half-hearted because I knew I wasn't going to get it, but I had to try. So I put my energy. So you're just doing the motion. Yeah, like I'm just going to apply to 50 jobs. I know I'm not going to hear back from them, but at least I feel like I'm doing something in my career. So I just kept applying and applying and applying. And actually all of them, the only thing that was appealing about them is that like re remote work or like working not with patients. Where it's like yep. not the job itself that's great, but factors of it. I was like, okay, I need this. So I applied for a lot of jobs and all the while I'm like talking to my coworkers, we're all like complaining, like, what did we get ourselves into? And I'd always say, like, if you want to be wealthy, you got to start your own business because you're never going to get wealthy clocking in and out to a job. Right. Like if your time is if your money is tied to the time you're at work, there's a limit to what you can earn. So we'd all be like, yeah, but we're not going to open a pharmacy. So right. Good job, business owners out there. <laughs> and so that's where I was. Many pharmacists will say, uh, they'll be suggested, oh, why don't you just open your own pharmacy? And the business of pharmacy is extremely difficult, regulated, and the margins are most, I would rather open a food business than a pharmacy. Um, but yeah, I, I had those same, those same thoughts, those same ideas. Like what can I, do? I was looking at non-medical positions even. Yeah. I was looking at like being a realtor or. Yeah. What's this cryptocurrency everyone's talking about? Like, I don't know. I just got to do something like maybe I'll just leave altogether or maybe I'll get a different degree in healthcare. Like maybe I'll be a PA. If I was a physician assistant, I'd be like, all right, 
oh, that would solve all my problems. So I was just kept like looking, but I didn't know where my energy would go. Just like searching, 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 researching, researching, researching. So when did it hit that you're like, wait, I can do this other thing then that is still very pharmacy focused that you don't have to go and get another degree? Like, where did that even come from? So it was COVID, you know, COVID origin story. Um, and Walgreens started doing COVID testing for the first time and they needed a person to champion it, a medical director. And I was like, sign me up. I'm so tired of the grind. And this like is working at a site. So I'm outside of the pharmacy. And I was like, sign me up. So I directed that in Utah, setting up the site. And it was really janky. It's in a Walgreens parking lot in like trailers and tents and stuff. So I was doing that for a whole summer and I was outside and just being outside, John, and like not being under fluorescent lights made me start to feel like I need, I have to start working in something like this. Like I'm a very outside girl. I love my national parks. Like actually working and getting paid outside was kind of the impetus for like, okay, I felt a shift. Now I got to do something. And so I started looking on LinkedIn. That was like the trigger point for me because my husband is accountant. He had a LinkedIn account for years and I never did because I figured it was just like for business people. So I got on there thinking like, well, maybe that's better than Indeed.com and I could find some cool jobs. And John, once I got in there, it was like coming out of a dark cave. I just saw pharmacists doing cool things that never crossed my mind I could do because I didn't learn about it in school. And I never saw it in the workplace because I was just, you know, blinders on, clocking into work, clocking out, doing nothing else with my career. So I blame LinkedIn for everything. Yeah, that's what we constantly harp on is what LinkedIn can do for you. Uh, I think people view it like Facebook still like no, that's just garbage Facebook stuff. You know, it's like this is how you engage with your future. This is how you engage with recruiters, hiring managers, uh, like minded people um, that now with the LinkedIn live events. Have, have you done a LinkedIn live with your business? OK, yeah. yeah. Mike and I are talking about doing that, too. But um, we exist on that platform, utilizing that platform, not only for the the podcast, but. Uh, but for our own personal needs as well, uh, for our career needs. So everybody listening, I, I hope you hear what Jamie's saying and what I'm- Get a LinkedIn profile Please. right now. Put your picture on there and start like connecting with people. Yeah. When I get somebody in my inbox asking a true question about, hey, can I link with you? Maybe we can connect and talk. When I know that it's not either a financial advisor or a phishing, because uh, you get the same, I'm sure you get the same stuff, you know, B2B business stuff and health coaching. Like when I see a real message come through, I will answer it. So maybe that will um, also budge anybody. If you have seen somebody on LinkedIn that you want to know how they're doing, what they do or what they did, just reach out to them because they're, they would definitely talk to you. And I say most of the time. Yeah. Cause you get directly in front of the decision makers. So one, like it's, the best way to network because you get in front of people you could never have access to otherwise and two like it just gets you thinking in a bigger way and helps you find people who think like you because I don't know about you but the people I was working with have a different view on pharmacy and their future and you are who you're surrounded with so when we're all with people complaining about student loans and like I should have never picked pharmacy it's easy to feel really awful about your career but when you are with people who are doing something amazing that lights them up, then it's contagious too. So like selfishly do it for yourself to surround yourself with cool people and you'll start getting in front of 
decision makers who will give you some really cool And that's how you and I connected or you, you know, Mike, and I've seen your stuff on LinkedIn before as well. Um, it just is just about reaching out um, and getting, getting into one of these networks. Now, uh, speaking of getting into those networks and, and finding these people, because we mentioned getting into LinkedIn and, and that's how you started finding these cool jobs. And in your bio, you mentioned, uh, we mentioned that it was an abrupt transition. It was like, okay, decision made, we're doing this thing. So what on LinkedIn led you to that abrupt? And what does that mean by abrupt for you? Like, like that quick turnaround? What does that mean? So I was like a sponge that summer and fall. I was just consuming everything I could, knowing that there's a future out there and something to do with like entrepreneurship or working in a new way outside of traditional W-2 positions that are posted online. And so I was listening to all the podcasts. Like I was connecting with everyone on LinkedIn and would send them a message like, hey, can we talk? I just want to learn from you. And I just talked to as many people as I could and like listened to what they were saying and like started trying out things that called out to me. My first like four things were utter failures, but it was just like practicing trying something new and putting it out there and see if I even liked it. And if there was any sort of reaction that people liked it. Would you share any of those, those things that you didn't work out? Oh yeah. So the first one was a podcast on drug updates. I was like, oh, the world needs like a fun way to be updated when new drugs come out or new formulations come out. So I did like six episodes and I was like, I hate this. I don't care about this at all. Like there's a need in the world, but this is not for me. So I give up. But like finding out if I like something or not. And then I thought I was going to be the skincare pharmacist and like teach about skin and like how to have amazing skin. And then quickly was like, that feels like an MLM. I'm out. Um, what's another one? Oh, another one was like trying to your contented life, like just being content with life and what you have, which for me was just an excuse to like not try harder. Anyway, awkward tries, but like just, just trying and like creating something and putting that energy in creation and doing it publicly made all the difference because people are watching and it doesn't tie you into that. No one today is like, oh, Jamie, you really failed on that skincare pharmacist thing. Like no one even remembers that from years ago. They just see you creating and like get attracted to your voice. So I did that. And the thing that kind of kept coming up was like, there's a big future in pharmacy with pharmacogenomics. And like, I kept hearing about pharmacogenomics, but there wasn't a lot of information out there for like how I could use it as this regular pharmacist. Seems like it was only in positions for academics or at health centers where there's actually a job within pharmacogenomics. And so that was kind of my light bulb moment where I felt like, okay, everyone's talking about how there's this big potential and big future, but no one's like actually using it from a grassroots level. And then my cousin actually almost died from an adverse drug reaction around the same time because she didn't have a genetic test and the doctor prescribed an antidepressant that was not right for her DNA. And anyway, long story short, she had suicidal ideation, ended up with six figures of medical debt and it threw their family upside down. So kind of those two things colliding made me be like, pharmacogenomics, like I am into this because it's a new way to be a pharmacist and actually help people and not just handing a medicine saying, take this with water, um, call me if you have any questions. And so very scrappy before I had a business or like logo or anything. I just posted on Instagram like, hey, I'm interested in genetic testing. Do you guys have any like trouble with medicine? I'm dabbling in this. I'd love to help you with genetic testing. And I had friends like raise their hand and like, oh, please, please. Like my mental health is really suffering. 
I try everything, nothing works. And so I just like beta tested without knowing what that was, friends and family. I put them through a really scrappy process and felt like, this is such a cool thing. Why is people not doing this? And then I, anyway, word of mouth amongst my neighborhood grew and I started getting more clients. And then I started reaching out to doctors on LinkedIn in my area like, hey, are you even using pharmacogenomics? I'm just like genuinely interested in what you're doing and met with them live and had a couple that were like, hey, come see patients in my office. Let's get you in here a couple days a week. And so I built my own side practice as well as going into a clinic while I was working at Walgreens. And then within six months, I had made six figures and I felt like, okay, that is my sign that I can do this. And it's like not just quitting Walgreens and like crossing my fingers and diving off the deep end. Like I've proven a track record. I love this and I know I can't stay at a job I hate much longer. So I'm going to call this quits. And so then I quit and jumped all into entrepreneurship. Wow. Everybody just take a moment though and understand that was not a six month process. This was a lot of trial and error on things. So I think that's the point here is really trying to figure out what you actually want to do and like doing rather than what's available. Because something you said really stuck with me. You said that I saw a need in the marketplace and thought I could fulfill it. And when I tried doing it, it still needed, but I hated it. Yeah. So I didn't want to do it. It's like, it's okay to hate something and not continue doing it too. Oh, it's so great to quit quickly and like keep iterating and pivoting. Exactly. Like if you can do that, just take action and pivot quickly, you're unstoppable. But most pharmacists and most people in healthcare are so risk averse and we want whatever we do to work 100% that like we put so much pressure on it working and way overthink it that we're not nimble enough and don't have enough fun to just like just create something. See if it works. If it does, pour gasoline on it. If it doesn't, try the next thing. We only want to do something if it's perfect and that won't be weird or awkward. The perfect thing that doesn't exist. You have to just be scrappy and start. And I think we're almost incapable of doing that. We're so trained to be perfect and professional. The regulation alone, like we get worried about, okay, I don't know this industry. And so being pharmacists more, I would say more than any other profession in healthcare, we are probably more aware of regulations and laws uh, behind why we do things in medicine. And so going into a new business is very scary because it's like, okay, what regulations don't I know? And how am I going to lose my license? Because I didn't know. Because we all think like you do one thing wrong and your license will be ripped away Uh and you will, and your family will starve in the gutters. Yes. When like, oh, I had to really navigate this. And this was like the most emotionally draining part was how to navigate through laws when they don't exist in a new area, like development of the field. So like pharmacogenomics, I combed through all 50 states, rules and regulations. It does not mention it anywhere. Genetic testing, counseling on genetic results, like teaching patients how genetic metabolism of drugs affects how they should take medication. It's not in there. It's not listed. And so I wanted like a sealed and stamped approval from the Board of Pharmacy saying, Dr. Wilkie, you may do this, but it didn't exist. So when I was talking with attorneys, they're like, the gray area is your sweet space. You have to own it. Like, obviously, make sure you're not doing something that's against the law. But if it's not prohibited, like, go forward boldly, do your best, like, track everything. Obviously, like, you know, 
don't be irresponsible. But like, this is actually a really great gift that it's not putting you in a box. And so people are so scared to do that. Get your get your insurance, your malpractice yeah. insurance, get your disability insurance, uh, get your contracting right, have a lawyer. Have a lawyer. The biggest thing you could do is get a lawyer. You feel so much more confident when a lawyer is like, we've looked at it. This looks good. Like, go forward boldly. And I think like navigating all of that unknown, not only being able to charge for your services as a profession that has always given away information for free, and this gray area of working outside of dispensing was really confusing. And that's why I started an online course in tandem with my consulting because I was like, this is a mess. Pharmacists shouldn't have to figure this out by themselves. And so then I added that arm to my business um, to like teach the, and not only teach, but like pull my profession into a group of support. So it's a bank of knowledge that we're like all growing from rather than, well, everyone figure it out and do your best and hold your secrets like a dragon guards their gold. Yeah. Well, when did that happen? When did you start recognizing you wanted to help your colleagues uh, get into the position that you are? Oh, it was within months, again, because of LinkedIn, because I'm like the whole time, like just sharing what I'm building publicly, just like, I don't I'm I love to write. So just writing about what I'm building and like the ups and downs and what I'm frustrated by. And a lot, I got a lot of DMs with the same question, like, how did you do this? How are you navigating the laws? How are you navigating? How much do you charge? Like, what labs do you work with? All the same questions. And because I was still like balancing, easing off of work at Walgreens and ramping up my patient load, I was like, I don't have time to be like this personal coach to everyone. So I'm just going to create an online course. I'll teach you everything I know because uh, I got four kids too. So like I... I, time is valuable and I got to be efficient. And so I created that. When you recognize that you are not satisfied with where you are at work, you don't feel like your career has had taken a trajectory that you always had dreamed of. Where do you go from there? Oh, good question. So first you get really curious about what you like. Not all the opportunities out in the world, because there's a thousand opportunities calling their siren song to you. Almost none of them are right for you. They're just a way to earn money, but they're not the thing that makes you unique. And so I would go introspective first before looking at like, oh, how can I make the most cash with my background or degree and find out like what it is you actually like, what you're genuinely interested in and how you have a unique view in the world that's different than most people and like how you like feel like you could help someone and start from there rather than trying to find someone else's path that like, oh, they are success. I'll do exactly what they did. I've really found that like, yes, there's general principles on like how to start businesses, how to, you know, do X, Y, Z. But really, it has to start from something that's meaningful to you. Otherwise, you're just trying to copy what someone else did. And it's it's never going to work the same. And if it does, it's almost a hollow victory because it's their path and not yours uh, and you don't have like the same experiences and like you're not the same as someone else you can't compare yourself to someone else so yeah you have to be passionate about it and you have to bring all of you your education your history your passions to what you do it's so important I can't emphasize that enough John because entrepreneurship will suck your soul if it isn't something you really want to do, it, you should just stick with your nine to five job if you just want to make money because 
entrepreneurship really stretches you personally and professionally. And if you're just trying to do it to make a quick buck, it is not the right that just take us off sideline but like really you have to it's going to take a lot but it's also incredibly rewarding now linkedin is one resource that we we talk about we talk about going to your alumni going to your pharmacy organizations is there anywhere else that people should go to find this information or to get more motivation from their colleagues there's there's a fine balance between like learning from people ahead of you and like ignoring what everyone says and just doing your own thing and I've really found that like the more I learn the more I tune people out and like 99% of what I do is because I feel like it's the next right thing and I don't care if someone says it's right or wrong because ultimately if you want to create something great and extraordinary it's going to be unique to you and like you know in your gut like what you want to do and so instead of trying to like mold it you're going to create something that doesn't exist before so it can't be patterned after someone else so like definitely a lot of personal development like I'm always reading really great personal development books like Think and Grow Rich and like The Magic of Thinking Big stuff like that that really helps you not think like a white coat I think is the biggest help and then being careful to not attach yourself too closely to like one person to show you your exact Specifically with your pharmacogenomics, which from our intro, anybody listen, when I said PGX. Oh, right. We should say that. That stands for pharmacogenomics. <laughs> should, I should have clarified. That's pharma, yeah, pharmacogenomics. Um, how, if somebody's interested in pharmacogenomics, how do they get into it? Or how would somebody recognize if they even would be interested in pharmacogenomics specifically? By doing it and by just trying it out so for me I like ordered a few kits for myself and like I did a test on myself and all my family and like let's see what this looks like and feel out the process I did like a little certification course because I needed the CE for my license anyway so like I did a quick like update of information like consuming it getting some you know sort of professional recognition for that but like being careful not to go into the dive of like learning too much because learning is just a form of procrastination, a giant form of procrastination saying like, once I feel prepared and confident and I have like every letter after my name, then I could do the thing. It's really being incredibly scrappy and just trying the thing you're interested in instead of like building the website or waiting until you have enough education it's like just starting the podcast now talking about whatever it is like psychedelic medication or diabetes management without medication like whatever it is just start talking about it and talking about it consistently and that's how you find if you like it or not so doing like I hate to even say education because white coats like take it way too far like learn a little bit about it but mostly start talking about it talk about it talk about it talk about it and then two magic things will happen one, you'll find out if you even actually like it or not. And two, it, when you build publicly, you start building interest in what you're talking about and people come to you and they give you problems, which you can then solve and charge money for. And so it's really something that by building in public, you become a lightning rod for solutions and you build your authority in the topic, even if you're just talking about it and saying like, why is Ozempic this huge thing right now? Like, what's the deal with it? Like, 
by talking about a subject, even if you're not the leading authority in the world, even if you're just like a regular RMD like me, by talking about a pub subject repeatedly, you become the authority and it's like magic. Like you said, what comes out of thin air that you could have never applied for or had access to if you just stayed quiet, like always researching and trying to find the answer. That was that was quotable when you said uh, learning is just a deep form of procrastination. It is. Man, healthcare folks probably do that more than anybody. Again, because we're nervous about killing in school. It's always, you killed the patient. It's always what we were told when we got something wrong. And we're always so worried like, oh, but someone wants to see my credentials. Like, I can't help a patient uh, improve this area of their life because they'll ask to see my credentials. And like, I'm just... I'm just a PharmD who's passionate about metabolic health and I do all this research on the side, but I don't have letters after my name, so you can't trust me. Like, yes. No, no one is thinking that. They just think like, wow, how can you help me? Where do I sign up? That's all people care about. We're our own worst enemy and we assume everything incorrectly. And like, especially now living in this day and age of like a gig economy and resumes being garbage, like it's all about your own brand and you are the one who controls it. You can't wait for a professional organization to throw the spotlight on you and say like, this person is credible. You are your own credibility and you start building it now as a beginner, even though you feel so scared inside and like you don't know anything, you just start by being curious and building in public. When we're saying that you are your own brand and you're your own credibility, let's not worry too much about the credentialing everybody. Like just get out there, talk to people. Don't worry about the credential. If you have a degree, you are enough. You are enough. You're the degree. And just think about it. Like, I actually think it's our professional responsibility to put ourselves out there and help people because it's not about your brand. It's about the person you're helping. All of those diabetic patients who are trying to get healthy, but there's only like these yoga instructors on Instagram talking about the latest diet fad. Like, you're a professional. Why are we not sharing our professional information to help people? Rather than like, oh, but I don't have this degree, so I'll just let this like hippie person that people are flocking to be the responsible educator. Like, I really feel like in this day and age, it's our responsibility to meet the people where they are and help them already instead of like getting all in on ourselves and worried. You don't have to know it all before you meet with your clients or your prospective collaborators. And it's actually a secret sauce to not know it all. Like, People find it very endearing to be vulnerable at the beginning and say, like, I'm so passionate about getting health to vulnerable populations. Like, I don't know where this is going from here, but these are like the statistics I'm seeing. And this is what I want to talk about. And like, I'm going to figure it out. People love an origin story and they love following an origin story. So not only like do you need to start just to get going, but like it's actually kind of a lightning post for you to draw interest instead of like, ah, I am Dr. Perfection and I know all the answers and I can help you very professionally, perfectly. Like people don't care about that. Like we're humans and we like that emotional element of like seeing someone starting new and feeling like you can get in at the beginning and like you have information no one else has. Like just that building in public from ground zero, like is actually magic to like embrace that. So is it fair to say we can we can tie that all together into one point and say, get out of your head 
and just start doing it. Get out of your head, start building in public and talk about a subject you're interested in for 30 days in a row. And I guarantee you will have valuable information to make choices on what to do from there. What else would you like our listeners to know or learn about you that we haven't talked about already? We talked about pharmacogenomics. We've talked about your time in community pharmacy. Uh, we've talked about um, building educational resources and a hub for pharmacists to learn about genomics. Uh, what else do you do? Because I've seen you do something with Pharmacy Times too. Yeah, I'm also an advisor for Pharmacy Times on their editorial board. And I also just let my professional license lap. So I love laps. I love pharmacists. I love pharmacy. But I'm finding like as I develop professionally, I don't want to be a pharmacist anymore. I want to do other things. And so I'm finding I'm very creative and artistic in in digital writing as my art form. And so I find as I work more, I'm getting out of staying in this world of pharmacy. Like it served me well. I loved it. I have no regrets, but like I'm still growing and it's so cool to spread my wings and do new things and keep growing in a in a path that I could have never seen before. So if if I'm not working, you can find me and my boys at one of Utah's national parks because I love being outside and reading and hiking and not working particularly a lot. <laughs> Same here. We love to be with our family. We like to uh, talk about what the future looks like and just be here, be present. Um, and if, if White Coats isn't anything more than that, it's everybody get present in your life again and find out what means uh, most to you. And if that means getting out of the, getting off the bench and doing something else, just start doing it, like Jamie said. Now, what we always do in the show is because of the monotony of work and how healthcare can be a little humdrum, we always talk about something personal that's going on, whether we're reading something, watching, eating, drinking, um, doing something that's just not healthcare in general. Something that I, I just started doing is listening to audible books that my wife has read. Now, my wife is the quintessential serial killer listener type, you know, where you actually put the wrong headphones on and it's talking about, and they found her in the hall with her tongue hanging out of her, like that type of stuff, right? So I just listened to one um, called The Housemaid. It was pretty good. I'm not going to make a recommendation to read that book, but I started listening to Dean Koontz. Now he's, he's, up there with Stephen King, if anybody's ever interested in that. Well, three things that I'm loving that are completely unwork-related this summer is swimming and diving. I love swimming and being in the water and in the pool. And in Utah, that is something rare you can do outside for a few months a year. So I'm like loving moving through the water, my healthy body. Two, I just finished the show His Dark Materials. And I don't know why that's not more famous because it was exceptionally well done. And three, I'm reading a thousand page fantasy book by Ursula Le Guin written in the 50s. That's like the grandma of fantasy novels these days. So I'm loving that. What's the name of that book? Earthsea. Earthsea. Okay. I, I like fantasy novels. Uh, I did Dune recently. Now that the new, the second one's coming out, I'm excited about that. So is there anything else that you would like everybody to know before uh, we end our show today? That there's a bright future ahead and you make it yourself. You don't need anyone's permission and you can have a lot of fun doing it inside or outside of healthcare. So just get started and start practicing in public because there is no downside and all. Awesome. 
Well, it was a delight to have you on, Jamie. I think that this was such a fun conversation. You're so easy to talk to. Uh, if you like what you hear, uh, please rate the show, share it with a friend. If you don't like what you hear, as Mike always says, feel free to not leave anything. Please just exit the page, go away, uh, and come back another day when, when we're talking about something that you enjoy. Well, again, thank you everybody for listening to the show today. This is White Coast Down Table. I'm John McDonald. I was here today with Jamie Wilkie. And hopefully next week, we'll have Mike back. All right, everybody. See ya.